Good morning, church family. I want to explain to you why I'm coming to you via video, not with you in person this morning. Uh, I'm not with you in person because Trevor and I, my son Trevor and I, are currently driving south on I-5, towing my travel trailer, uh, delivering it to Yuba City, California, so that my parents, uh, who are displaced, who are currently homeless, uh, can live in it in the short term. On Thursday afternoon, I got a call from my dad uh, letting me know they were safe, but they had been evacuated from their home in Paradise, California. Uh, they were um, over 50,000 people in their area ended up being evacuated. They were uh, alive, they were safe, uh, and they were um, making their way off the mountain and to stay with some friends. So of course that was the most important news. Uh, but they had woken up Thursday morning uh, to smoke and fire visible across the valley from ridge to ridge from where they live to the opposite side of the valley. And, um, and then they evacuated and then within hours the fire, this wildfire had crossed the valley uh, and swept through town uh, pushed by high winds and expanding at a, a crazy speed. Uh, this wildfire has been named the Camp Fire uh, because it started a road called Camp Road or something, I think. Um, and, and so far, it's not even contained, and this is already being labeled, um, declared the most destructive wildfire in California history. Not the biggest by acres, but the most destructive in terms of um, the fact that it has uh, burned over 6,700 structures and counting. Uh, it's taken nine lives. It has burned over 90,000 acres, last I heard, and is only 20% contained. Fire officials' early reports indicated that the, the town of Paradise was, was virtually destroyed. So all available in all available in information, reports, videos, photographs uh, would make it a virtual cer certainty that my parents have lost their home, um, another vehicle, and, and everything else that's there. And here's what I want to tell you, um, is by God's providence, as we study through the gospel, um, as we study through, I'm sorry, the letter to the Galatians, the book in our Bible called the Galatians, this Sunday, this morning, uh, we are finding ourselves in Galatians chapter 6, and, and verse 2 says that we as followers of Jesus are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so I'm thankful this morning for our staff team and our elders and for all of you and your understanding and your flexibility um, by freeing me up to leave town as soon as possible, uh, you are really bearing this burden with me so that I can help um, my folks in any way I can. Uh, my sermon on Galatians chapter 6 was prepared. Uh, I, I'm not going to deliver uh, 30, 40 minutes on video, um, but I was prepared and I want to share a brief version with you. So open your Bibles, if you would, to Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to start at the end of chapter 5, verse 25. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. And you'll remember, if you were with us last Sunday, or if you listened to the sermon online, last Sunday, um, 
we've, we've finished off with this verse, chapter 5, verse 20, chapter 5, verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Because last Sunday we talked about this contrast between the desires of our flesh, the desires of our sinful nature, the things that we do naturally versus what comes supernaturally in our lives, the work of God in our lives, contrasting these desires of the flesh with walking by the Spirit, living by the Holy Spirit of God, and the Spirit supernaturally working in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit. So this morning, as we continue at the end of chapter 5 and end of chapter 6, we really get um, this same thing. What does it look like to live by the Spirit in regard to our relationships? And we get a contrast. We get what our relationships may look like when we are uh, operating under the desires of our flesh, and then we get some encouragement, some urging of how, as we live by the Spirit, our relationships would look. So, we look at chapter 5, verse 26 then, and it says, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so that's what, uh, that's what our relationships may look like as we operate by the desires of the flesh. And Tim Keller, a pastor and author, explains it this way, that conceit is really deep insecurity that results in us needing to prove our worth to ourselves or proving our worth to others. Uh, our, our conceit, this exaggerated, selfish-centered pride, uh, causes us to be fixated on comparing ourselves. There's a competitiveness. There's a self-absorbedness that results in provoking, envying. So verse 26 could be rephrased this way. Do not let your hunger for glory or honor, do not, do not um, let your hunger for self make you either despise or envy other people. You see, if we're conceited, if we're full of pride, if we're self-absorbed, we tend to provoke uh, or envy. And, and provoke is really this result of being competitive where we want to challenge someone. We're always suspicious of them and what they're doing and, and, and uh, whether they're doing it right and, and whether I would do it better. And so we provoke out of this competitiveness. We challenge other people. Or envy looks like when we want something that they have, we envy them or we want them not to have that. Either way, what we're doing there, provoking or envying, it's, it may seem opposite, but it's both out of this self-centeredness, out of this exaggerated pride. And either way, what we're doing there is we're trying to gain uh, or improve our own worth or raise how we feel about ourselves by beating out other people, by surpassing them, by making them look bad so that we can be or feel superior. So where do you and I fall in this provocative, end of the spectrum, envious end of the spectrum? Do we provoke? Do we envy? And there's some questions that we can ask ourselves to see if we see this in our own lives. Do I have a tendency to blow up? That would be the provoke side. Or do I tend to clam up? Do I blow up or clam up? Think about these for yourself. I need to think about these for me. Where in this last week, where in these last few days have we seen ourselves tend toward provoking or envying? Another question, do I tend to pick arguments with people, provoke, or do I completely avoid confrontation? Do I tend to get very down on other people? Do I get down on individuals or groups of people? 
Or am I more often embarrassed or intimidated around certain classes or kinds of people? Provoke, envy, being provocative or envious. When criticized, do I get angry or judgmental, maybe attack right back at people? Or do I get very discouraged and defensive, make lots of excuses, give right in? So on one hand, dealing with our relationships um, by the operating in the desires of our sinful nature, we, we are conceited, we provoke or envy. What does our life with other people look like if we keep in step with the Spirit? Keeping in step with the Spirit, look, let's look at chapter 6, verse 1. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Here's verse 2. Or one another. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. When we are keeping in step with the Spirit, when we are followers of Jesus who have submitted our lives to Him, and the Holy Spirit lives within us and is transforming us from the inside out, when we are learning to keep in step with the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, our relationships are going to be marked by caring and serving others such that we bear their burdens with them or help them bear their burdens. You know, think about uh, back a few verses in chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. If you look just back there to chapter 5, verse 13, we, we studied this. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh to, to to play out your sinful desires, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So when we move forward into chapter 6, verse 2, and we think, what does it look like to bear one another's burdens? We know from the context, from this letter, from what we've already been studying, that we carry burdens for other people as we serve one another, as we serve one another from out of love, one of the ways we do that is carrying burdens. One of the ways we carry burdens, chapter 6, verse 1, says we would restore anyone that's been caught in sin. But there's lots of more other ways, uh, there's lots of other ways to bear burdens. And, and what are these burdens that we might come across for people? Burdens could be simple responsibility like raising a child or renovating. This is, this is uh, with the help of Tim Keller here, some, some of these examples. Raising a child, renovating a living space, um, or it could be some kind of difficulty people are facing, a problem that they encounter, a struggle, a, a pain, a trial, a hardship. And, you know, think about this. How are we going to have opportunities to bear one another's burden if the Spirit is working in our life and transforming us and making us new? And as we follow Jesus, the Spirit prompts us to serve others out of love and bear their burdens. We're not going to be able to do that. We're not going to be able to be burden bearers unless we are close with people, unless we know people, unless we engage in their lives to the point where we can empathize, where we can stand in their shoes and and, and bearing their burden with them then would be standing in their shoes and putting our, our strength to their weight, to their burden, lightening their load by, by, by carrying some of that weight. And one of the things you're going to talk about in your gospel community this week is, is the skill that we've talked about before, listening. Listening to those around us. Listening with gospel ears. 
listening for in, in, in a gospel-centered way. What do people really believe in? Where are their hurts coming from? What lies are they believing in? What gospel good news could we speak into that or show them through our care? So talk in your gospel community this week about how we can improve, how we can ask God to help us improve as listeners. People that listen to those around us, that really listen to understand what people are going through so that we can then share, uh, share with them, care for them, bear burdens with them, whether that be physically bearing a burden, emotionally, spiritually. You know, in our church family, one of the, the big opportunities that God is giving us that comes to my mind uh, immediately is that as Pastor Aaron transitions to a new ministry in Albany, we are going to want to ask God to help us do a great job of continuing to care for and serve and love our teens. So what is it going to look like, Faith Church family, for us to bear the burden of student ministry? Not that it's a burden in a bad way, but it's a responsibility. It's a, it's a new opportunity we have while we have a period here in the near future without a staff person. Uh, we have an opportunity. How are we going to continue to serve, love, and minister to our junior high and high school students? And so I would, I would urge you to pray that God would make that clear to us, that God would raise up a team of people to share that, that responsibility together. And uh, if that could be you, or if you're wanting to know how God is going to move us forward in student ministry and youth ministry, I would encourage you to come to the meeting next Sunday, 7 p.m., so, we can, uh, so you can be part of how God might want to um, bring a solution to this area. Earlier, uh, we talked about looking at our own lives and, and whether we lean toward provoking or envying or both. And, and I want us to think, how much time have we spent, perhaps, these last few days, this last week, this last month, provoking and envying when we could ask the Spirit to transform us and use our energy and our time in a different and better way? How, how much energy and time was I investing and distracted by certain headlines in the news this week that, that then caused us to, to, to be concerned and, and arguing and suspicious of others and trying to be right and wanting to prove ourselves and provoking? And then other headlines this week, other realities of our world, other burdens that come to our to our attention, whether they be national news like a raging wildfire or a, another mass shooting? Have we been dulled by the frequency of these things, by these natural disasters and by these shootings? Have we been dulled by the frequency that we, that we kind of are, are momentarily concerned but then move on with, with the nitty-gritty of our lives and with the ways that we want to be right and the ways that we want to prove ourselves and the way that we want to match up? Or are we moved to action? Or is the Spirit of God transforming our hearts and lives such that our, that our hearts are gripped by situations around us? Those, those big examples are, 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 are big ones. But even just what do we face in the, our spheres of influence, in our town, in our family? What concerns do we see? What struggles do we see? What burdens might God want us to? To, to care for other people in. The fire 
hits close to home for me, obviously, right now. And I have an opportunity to go and, and try to bear that burden in a small way. But that's an extreme example. And, and it's personal to me because it's my parents. And I know that I and you all can't respond to every need we see in the news or every need we see around us in our spheres of influence. But God, by his spirit, is transforming us, is giving us his heart, his eyes, his ears for people. And so I think that there are going to be times when God puts us in, in, in a place where we can listen and respond and obey him by bearing the burdens of others.